0: My dad's been in prison, in and out, throughout my whole life.
1: Rachel has been through setbacks in her life that would ruin most people.
0: It's a whole other story, April, but like, I'm a trafficking survivor
1: as well. A difficult childhood carried on into her adult life. I was
0: just in a really, really dark place, and I had been on drugs for many years.
1: After all that, she became the victim of a scammer. It's a little different take than the other men and women we've heard from on this podcast. He played on my Christian values. My name is April, and a scumbag scammer took $200,000 from my mother, who happens to be fighting ovarian cancer that's spreading. On this episode of Scammer Stories, Rachel is now the wife of a pastor and doing very well, but it's been a tough journey. I'm a mom and fitness instructor.
0: We live in the mountains, so we're just country folk. (laughs) We uh, live in the Northeast Georgia mountains uh, in a really small town, And yeah, very just blue collar family. But at the time when all this happened with the guy, I was single at that time in my life. So back in 2012, I was just in a really, really dark place and I had been on drugs for many years. My son at that time was four and he was staying with my mother a lot. And I just saw my life like unraveling and I was losing everything. I decided to go into rehab after coming to this place of like feeling suicidal, that that was the only option that I had. And so I went into, it was a Christian based, like holistic facility. So it wasn't like a medical rehab. I gave my life to the Lord and I become a Christian and I was just on fire I was like the crazy Christian that was the one to tell everybody about Jesus. And I know like Southerners are like known for that. But I just, I had healing and I felt like I had hope and I wanted to share that with everybody. And my heart was so changed. Just, I saw hope in everybody. I just wanted to share that love. So I went through nine months in the program. And when I got out, I got my life on track and I started working. and. By the way, whenever I went in, I lost everything, car, house, money, every bit of savings I had because I couldn't work it from there. And I gave everything up to get my life together so I could be the mom that needed to be for my son. When I got out, and this was in 2013, I did not go back to my hometown. I moved to a different place and far away, like four hours from home. And just started my life over. And how that happened was just through connections in my church. There was a family who offered to let me stay in their basement to get on my feet. They just heard my story. It's a whole other story, April. But, like, I'm a trafficking survivor as well. So, like, you know, when I say I needed to get out of my hometown, like, I needed to get away from my abuser. That's why I had to completely leave, And which is good for addicts to just get completely yeah. away. So a friend sent out an email and said, there's this girl and she doesn't have a place to go. She has a son. She needs to get back on her feet and she really needs to start over. And this family literally had no idea who I was, did not know my story, but they prayed about it and they said, Uh, She can come stay with us. And I showed up at their house and moved in their basement and ended up living with them for three years. And then my son moved in. It was a beautiful time in my life. So I started working, got a job, and I was saving up money to get Zeke and myself and Zeke a place to live. I saved up a good bit of money. And I wasn't paying bills. They didn't ask me to pay any bills. My car was paid off. And I was, like, feeling just really great about life. I still was on this. I call it the Jesus high. Like I could tell everybody about Jesus. I have this hope and I want to share that with everybody. And I want to talk about that for a second because Christians like women are easily to be taken advantage of because we all want love. And that's just the truth. A lot of women they desire to be wives. They desire to have children. Uh, a lot of women, not all, but also Christians are preyed on because they're known or a lot of them are known for having very generous hearts. That was me. I would have given anybody, and I still, i have not jaded by all of this. I still would give the shirt off my back if I needed to, but I've gained wisdom and also having people in your life to hold you accountable And I still have that. It's like very important to have people in your life to hold you accountable and ask you probing questions, especially when you're single and dating and whatnot. Because I was talking to a man that was in prison. I knew I didn't want to tell anybody that. So I'll back it up and go how we first got in contact. So as I'm living this new, wonderful life and I'm just getting custody back of my son, a high school friend of mine contacted me on Facebook Messenger and it was a guy that I actually was friends with his sister and I knew that he had some issues and in school he was a really good guy and he made good grades and he was a sweet kid he was younger than me and I didn't really know all the details of what he had been through but I knew that his family um, they had cut him off I still talk to his sister's son, but like we weren't us, we're grown, you know, we're all doing our own thing. We were talking and he's like, oh, you're doing so good. I see how you're doing. How did you do it? Your story, you're such a inspiration to me. Just that was the avenue he took to get to my heart, if that makes sense. So like he didn't court me in a way that like men do women. You're so beautiful and all those things. It wasn't that. It was like, can you be my friend? And just be an inspiration to me and send me Bible verses. Will you send me a Bible? I actually send him a Bible. And it was things like that. And I have like no problem doing that. I'm glad I sent him the Bible. I hope he reads it, you know. But then remember, he's in prison and, and in the state of Georgia, uh, we have very strict prisons here, so high, maximum security, what what have you. But he wasn't calling me from a payphone. He was calling me, you know, messaging me through Facebook and then eventually calling me via Facebook, too. That should have been a red flag in itself because my brother's in prison. I know how the system works. If you have a cell phone in prison, you're doing some shady stuff to get that phone. It's a whole other level. In prison, you can have everything that you have on the streets. You can have it in prison if you're in with the right people because the the gang activity that goes on. And exactly what I called you for is I do know that there are plenty, lots of scamming going on in prison and they're all ganged up and they're all doing it together. And it makes me think of like the Nigerians, how they all get together in a cafe, and in an Internet cafe, They're doing the same stuff in prison, April, and nobody's talking about it. He was calling, and then eventually, like, his friends are talking to me on the phone, and and it's all, like, Jesus talk and uh, AA talk, you know, like, recovering addicts, and we're all going to inspire one another. At the time, I was single, and it was just me and my son. I wasn't dating. I was so focused on just my, like, life, and he totally built that relationship based on these like Christian values and being a recovered addict to then it started like this. It was just, um, my family, they won't send me any money because you know, they've all cut me off. Nobody will talk to me. And I've told them that I've gave my life to Christ now, but they don't believe it because they think I'm just lying. You know, I just was, just oh oh do you need something let me get you what you need what do you need i'll send you a package cuz you can send prisoners care packages and he's like no we have commissary here can you just send it was um not like a visa card it was it, but it was some form of payment i don't remember now what it was but i had to go to walgreens and send it and it was like $80 or something like that. And then the next time, it was a calling card. I think from there on out, it was like calling cards or like minutes on this track phone or whatever that they had that was in prison. At some point, he's he was like, well, me and my sister are talking now, and she said that if you send me some money for her, she'll pay you back when she sees you, which I don't know why I felt for that. That's just stupid because I didn't even talk to his sister that much. But by this time, April, I'm so hooked. I'm so hooked. Like, I, I don't know if any of this is making sense, but like my heart is, this is my friend and this is who I talk to because I, at this point in my life, I was in a new city with no friends, no people I really talked to. I felt like such an outcast because I was 25 at the time. I was a single mom and I'm like going to church and they don't have a small group for single moms who just got off drugs. Like, they just don't. So it just didn't have a lot of friends. And he was my best friend. Like, I talked to him every single day. And we'd have, like, Bible study or whatever over the phone. So I'm so blinded by this point that I was just like, okay, okay, I'll send you some money. I'll send you some money. And and it was just small amounts here and there, here and there, here and there. Until finally, I just called him out and was like, I actually did talk to your sister and she told me that she never planned on sending you money, nor did she plan on talking to you and that you were scamming me and he hung up the phone and I never heard from him again.
1: How much did you send him? You said hundreds. Was it under a thousand then? It was under a thousand, but
0: you can send packages and people send, you know, shoes or what have you, but... I want to tell you this just really quick. I remember this story. I'm going to try to get her in contact with you because her story is even on a bigger scale. She was courted by a prisoner who she went to school with. This is no lie. And, of course, she sent him money, went to the prison to see him. And, see, just like the scammers have nothing else to do, like that's their livelihood, prisoners sure as heck have nothing else to do. And when they start getting money, guess what they start doing? Paying off the guards. Those guards, they make, what, $15 an hour, if that. I mean, they don't make no money. They're state jobs. And if they can make an extra 100 bucks here, 100 bucks there, just turning a blind eye to a cell phone, that's how they get cell phones. That's how they get drugs. My friend Samantha, she was contacted by a guy who she had a crush on in high school. Like, he was the bad boy. And he played her like a fiddle. You know, he continued this scam up until he got out of prison, moved in with her to get on his feet. He used her. He used her up. And then, of course, he moved in and he was like sleeping around with other women, doing his own thing until finally he found who he really wanted to be with and left her, but used her up until the end. And that is why I think we need to talk about it, because there's probably women that just were like me, that were just sitting around, and they're lonely, and they want attention. I was smart, and I had people in my life. And I eventually shared with somebody what I was doing, and they were like, that doesn't sound right. Like, I don't think you should be doing that. And it did make me think. I didn't listen at the time. But nobody wants to say, yeah, I got this boyfriend in prison. Nobody wants to say that. It's kind of their secret. But I think about... The girls who have low self-esteem or or maybe they don't feel like they're pretty or maybe they've been rejected by so many men in the world that, you know, a guy from high school contacts them and they're like, oh, well, I'll just talk to them. And that attention feels so good. But prisoners, girl, they can lay it on thick because just like the scammers, if they don't have the right word, the guy beside them does. Ever since I emailed you, I've been thinking, oh, my gosh. I've seen this happen time and time and time and time again, and literally nobody's talking about it. Nobody's saying anything because it's not your typical Nigerian scammer. It goes to a new level when you start meeting people in person. And see, you can do that in prison because you can go see them in prison.
1: And did you ever do that?
0: I did not, but I came really close to, I was living in Alabama at the time, and he was in Georgia, and so I never could just make the trip, but I had planned on it. And I am so thankful that I got out, and I know that my story isn't as interesting as so many others. But maybe if people could just hear mine, I think they would come forward and be like, oh my gosh, this has happened to me. Because it really took listening to your podcast for me to really kind of just say to myself, okay, Rachel, you were scammed. And here's another thing. I had never told anyone. Like I did eventually tell my mentor, but I told my husband. I never told him about it, which thank God it wasn't as romantic as it. he played on my Christian values because I don't need to be told I'm sexy. Like I, I'm secure. That would have been more turned off by that. But he played on what he could, which was that being an ex-addict or
1: what have you. So what, how did your husband react then? He kind of was confused because,
0: well, like I said, I have a brother in prison. That's kind of, actually my dad and my brother in prison, but I'm really close to my brother, not so much my dad. So I, I have Sympathy for prisoners. It's just by the grace of God that I didn't go to prison. But my husband, he come from a mother and a father. He's never even been to jail, and I have been in trouble with my life. And my husband's a pastor, so (laughs) he really doesn't come from the lifestyle. So he was perplexed by it. He was just kind of like, "Why didn't you just see right through it? Why did you fall for it?" I was like, Nathan, I. I don't know. I just at that time I just felt sorry for him. But I don't know that Nathan in his position wouldn't be just as vulnerable at some point. So he empathized with me but um I think he was really relieved that it wasn't a romantic thing. I I think he would have been more hesitant about letting me share it. (laughs) But I had never told anyone because this this is humiliating. You know, this was really embarrassing. I'm 31 years old now, and I realized that me telling you this is beneficial to someone. And so I'm able to get over the embarrassment. My hope and my prayer is that other people will hear it and just say, I need to wake up because this could be happening. Okay, so you, I'm sure, are familiar with battered woman syndrome. Yeah. This, like, codependent, I'm going to change him, he's going to change, I'm going to be the savior, I'm going to make it better. I think I was thinking that, too, with Seth. I was like, I think if I just keep on sharing Jesus with him.
1: When he quit talking to me, I mean, that was that.
0: He blocked me. I didn't really have any other way to talk to him, you know?
1: And did you try talking to his sister?
0: I did. And she was very matter of fact. She was like, Rachel, you have a good heart, and he scammed you, and it was stupid. Uh, She never did say anything like, How could you be so stupid? or anything like that. She just knew how it was. Like, she was like, I know how you are, and but you haven't been here to see everything he's done, and you ain't the first person he's done this to, and you won't be the last. And she said, I can promise you he's on to somebody else. See, I'm not speaking to my dad right now, nor I probably won't ever. (laughs) And, um, I have forgiven him. I'm just not going to talk to him because it's just too much. But now that I'm talking to you, I'm thinking of all the times that like my dad, my dad's been in prison in and out throughout my whole life. Prisoners are so smart. Like my dad and my brother, my brother's in college in prison. My dad is in college as well. And he's getting his bachelor's degree because he's in prison for murder. So he's in there for a long time but they're not stupid and they have full access to anything. And I just think about over the years, the things that my dad has asked me to do and it's all a big scam. It's all to benefit them. It's not that they care about us or anybody else because they don't.
1: Rachel's positive attitude is incredible. She says she's thinking about doing her own podcast. She obviously has a lot to talk about with insight on how to get through some of life's most difficult challenges. Also, Rachel was interviewed by Jada Pinkett Smith for a series on CNN on sex trafficking. I'll put a link in the show notes. Smith became involved in the sex trafficking fight after her daughter brought the topic to her attention and she was skeptical until she started to dig. I want to thank Rachel for leaving a review on iTunes on this podcast. The podcasting world has taken a somewhat unexpected increase in the last few years, and there are so many podcasts, it's becoming more and more difficult to get noticed. The reviews are the easiest way to help. If you have a story you'd like to share, you can email me at scammerstoriespodcast at gmail.com or send me a message on the Facebook page. Until next time, my scammer warriors.